Lisa Davis, so glad you're listening to Health Power. I have a confession to make, which probably won't surprise most caregivers who make lunches. I hate making lunches for my daughter. It's such a pain in the ass. And she's old enough now that she can make her own. But I just, as part of our ritual, I like to do it. And I just, she gets sick of things so fast. You know, I'll find something that's healthy and uh, fills her up and keeps her going. And then like two days later, she's like, yeah, I'm sick of that. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I got this amazing book. The reason I'm telling you this is this book is incredible. It is called Lunchbox, 75 plus easy and delicious recipes for lunches on the go. It is by Aviva Wittenberg. Aviva Wittenberg learned to cook at her mother's side and honed her skills in the kitchen cooking for her family. She has been sharing her adventures and lunch packing online at Aviva Wittenberg for the last seven years, packing more than 3,700 lunches and counting. She lives in Toronto with her husband and two daughters. Aviva, welcome to Health Power. <laughs> Thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. You know, I enjoyed reading in the introduction how you used to be excited for lunch. You'd watch the clock and dig in, and then you got a special treat on Friday. I'm thinking, wow, when I was a kid, my mom was a health nut, and she found something called hillbilly bread. And whenever I bring this up, no, there was a guy who looked like a hillbilly with the overalls, and he had like a, a wheat thing coming out of his mouth, yeah. and he's leaning against a barn or something. And the reason is it was a mix of white and wheat flours. I was jealous because all the other kids had Wonder Bread. And I'm like, hillbilly bread again. <laughs> so anyway, tell us your delightful story. <laughs> well, so I think the best part of talking to people around the book launch is everyone sharing their stories of what they used to eat for lunch growing up. So I had the same kind of lunch. My mom would travel I live in Toronto and she would go to bakeries because at the time you couldn't, like there were supermarket bread. But there wasn't like the beautiful selection that we have at the supermarkets now. So she would go and get us whole wheat bread and natural peanut butter and all kinds of great healthy stuff. And all I wanted was like peanut butter and jam, skippy peanut butter and jam on white bread and a Joe Louie and you know, like a Snoopy <laughs> drinking box. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless, I still looked forward to lunch as I wrote my book. And I still now I look forward to lunch because it's like such... A nice break in your day. And I know from, uh, I really pr appreciate now with work, it's really important to take that break from what you're doing because it sort of clears your mind and resets you for the afternoon. You know, it's funny because as much as I wanted some junk food in my lunch and I was a junk food junkie, even this was too much. There was a girl I was friends with. She would have a peanut butter, butter and sugar sandwich on white bread <laughs> with a chocolate pop tart and cookies and some other junk. And then sometimes they'd leave out the peanut butter, butter and sugar sandwich and it would just all be sugar. And I even, I was like, I'm jealous, but I don't know. <laughs> Seems a yeah. little much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I think in the end I look at, um, yeah, what all the kids around me used to eat and it was different things. And I think now I appreciate as a parent, a lot of it is a reflection of what was going on in their parents' lives and just juggling stuff. Definitely. And so I'll get into conversations with other parents about lunches, more so when my kids were younger. They're just like, oh, I don't need to judge what my kids are eating. Like, oh, like, I don't care. Like, fed is best, whether it's nursing or bottle feeding or, you know, artisanal bread with, you know, <laughs> raw cheese cheddar or raw milk cheddar. You know, it, it doesn't matter. You just like your kids need to eat. Exactly. Um, well, I have to be honest. When I saw your book cover, I thought, okay. This is way too nice. I'm not doing this. This is too 
beautiful and hard and it's going to take me forever. And then I like read through the recipes. I was like, oh my God, I can do this. Make sure to Google Aviva Wittenberg lunchbox and you'll go, wow. Okay. So on the cover, you've got these gorgeous different types of berries. You've got salad, you've got little crispy breads and soup with, it looks like garbanzo beans in it and these, and these beautiful wraps. And that's not all for one lunch though, right? That's just showing like a bunch of different ideas. Yeah. A hundred percent, but you could. So the recipe on the front is actually the uh, egg and green and cheese tortilla roll roll up sandwich. And honestly, it's the easiest and fastest recipe in the book. Uh, It takes you under five minutes to make. You just basically crack a couple of eggs into a pan, put a tortilla on top and let the egg sort of flow up around it and then top it with cheese and whatever kind of wilty greens you have in your fridge and roll it up. So it's like simple, simple. And then the rest, like it's the, the top are some bagel chips. There's a recipe there. I don't, we buy a dozen bagels and eat like seven of them. So I just make them into bagel chips. So easy. And some hummus. There's a recipe, but you can buy it. And berries are the best because you don't need to cut them up, right? Yeah. Just, you rinse them true. off and you put them in. So I'm a big fan of um, berries for lunch boxes. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I think it's great. Yeah. I think part of the thing is I I use a thermos for her because she prefers to have a hot lunch. And so part of it's like, well, how do I keep, I guess if I'm going to send a cold lunch, you would have to have the right type of, of packaging and then you can put it in a cold box and put ice or, but you give some great suggestions. Let's talk about some of the ways that uh, you can store the food and keep it hot or cold. Yeah. So it's important to keep hot food hot and cold food cold just for food safety. Um, so for hot food, I love a thermos. And I think with all the lunch gear um, that I use, it's worth investing in slightly better gear than less expensive stuff. When my daughter was in kindergarten, I went out and bought her some adorable plastic bentos and the clips fell off within the first couple of weeks and I had to replace them. And they weren't inexpensive, you know, it was, so in the end I bought stainless steel gear and we still have it. And she turned 17 last week. So oh, wow. unless, yeah. So unless like my kids have lost stuff, it like really lasts a lifetime. So for keeping hot food hot, I have some great thermoses. Actually, we have two sets of thermoses. Some that are just like Stanley construction worker, kind of heavy duty thermoses that work so well. And the key to keeping the food in them hot longer is to preheat them for about 10 minutes with boiling water and then put blazing hot food into them and then seal them up and send them uh, to school. Uh, The other, so they were great. They were a bit big for my kids when they were little. So we also have these really nice lunchbox thermoses that have a release valve in the lid which breaks the vacuum, which is a big, like, can be a real challenge. I know for younger kids at school where, you know, your thermos sort of seals shut and then they can't open them on their own. That's what my daughter always complained about. That's exactly it. And I was like, I don't know what to do, but go on. So, yeah, so this is like, these are the most brilliant thermoses. So you just push the button on top and it breaks that seal and then you can open it up. Um, So those are amazing. And they come in a really nice wide mouth design so that you can actually see what you're eating. And what was the brand on that? It's called Lunchbots. Um, And they are my favorite. They also go in the dishwasher, uh, which is even better for when, you know, like stuff doesn't get put away (laughs) the same day it's used. Um, So that is what I do to keep hot foods hot. So preheating a thermos and buying a high quality thermos. I didn't know about that preheating. That's so interesting. And then then you mentioned something called, is it S-Well? 
Did I read that right? Swell. Yeah, they make beautiful water bottles and also thermoses that come in beautiful patterns. Um, and I'm a big fan of those, of those too. They also have, um, they've got a really nice wide mouth design. And they have a wide mouth water bottle design too, which is nice for like brothy soups. Um, or like if you want to send green tea or take green tea with you or some miso soup. Um, that kind of wide mouth design, because those are kind of sipping soup. For the roll-ups on the front, could you just stack those in a thermos or would they would they stay warm? I always think if it has to be soupy or stewy or rice or something to fill the whole thing. Or how does that work? So those I send at room temperature. And really the only things I send to school or take to work hot or at work I would like warm stuff up in a microwave, um, but I, any of the sandwiches and wraps and things like that, they're all flatbreads. They're all meant to be room temperature. Soups and stews are meant to be hot. And it's not the same, like the grilled, like the panini are not the same as if you ate them hot, but there's still a really nice flavor from the charring that you get on the bread. And if you're sending lunches to school, things like there's a cheddar and apple panini, by grilling it in the panini pan, it holds together because the cheese melts and it's just easier for little kids to eat. Oh, that's nice. Now, do you have to pack that with ice? So you could, yeah, send it with an ice pack. Or I have uh, these packet lunch bags as well that are just like the whole bag is an ice pack. Oh, and you store you it in the that? freezer overnight. Oh, at like Winners or Home Sense or something. Like, <laughs> you can buy them. Yeah, you can buy them. Yeah, usually at the end of the year, I got a couple of them, I think for about $5 a piece to try out. What are they called? Uh, packet like p-a-c-k-i-t um and you can yeah so they turn up i've seen them at the supermarkets um as well i think sophie's had them like a couple of years ago i can remember seeing them there anyway so they're really great you put the whole thing in the freezer overnight and then put your lunch in it in the morning and it stays cool uh like beyond lunchtime Oh my God, you are changing my life. See, this is what I love about the show Health Powers. I want, I say it's a lot, but I want things to be easier for people. I want healthy behaviors and this type of thing where you like leave the show and like, okay, I'm going to look this up. This is so cool. Okay, you, as soon as we're done, I'm literally going online and buying all these things. All right, let's get into more about lunch packing strategies. Talk to us about some of these. So first of all, I think it's really important just to have a plan. Um, there's nothing worse than on a Monday morning, like standing, opening the fridge and being like, oh, like I don't even know where to start. And so when my kids were little and it felt like there were a lot of moving pieces, I got into the habit of just planning out all of our meals. Wow. And right. I've had everything in a really loose way. Um, and I do, I had, you know, a book that helped me do it. In the end, I just use a piece of paper and I write down all the food I have in the fridge. Um, So it happens to me that I get a delivery from a farm once a week. So every Thursday we get a a box of fresh produce. So on Sunday or Monday, whatever's left, I'll make a column uh, along the right-hand side of the page. And there's a picture in the book of my, you know, very fancy planning method on a piece of paper. Um, (laughs) I I make a list of all of that. And then just a grid of the days of the week with lunches and dinners on it based on what I have and then what I need. So by having a plan, I've taken the responsibility of having to make a decision during the week out of um, like, just, I don't need that. I like, I just don't need to make a decision. I've already made a decision. Um, And I already know what either I need. So when I've done the planning, I'll go and get whatever other ingredients I still need. Um, Everything is there uh, so that I can go ahead and cook. 
one of the things that we've done, or really for lunch, assemble, one of the things we've done in the book is create a couple of those calendars and sort of two-week plans based on different uh, different eaters. So whether it's great recipes for kids, great salads, cold weather food, hot weather food, um, that's already laid out because often getting started is the hardest thing. Yeah, that's true. Um, and you, especially if you're not a planner. I think some people, I love to plan, but it's not in everyone. And so we've helped you out. And so whether you repeat those same two weeks of lunches, um, it, you know, it's up to you or fill, you know, or change things up. So the first thing is having a plan. And the second part is, is preparing. Uh, I had a brilliant editor at, at Appetite. And we decided as part of the design of the book and working with the amazing designer, was to call out different getting ahead steps. So things like you can make this soup and freeze it in portions in advance so that you just need to pop it uh, in the microwave or, you know, a pot on the stove and warm it up the day of. Or you can make this salad dressing three days in advance and just assemble your salad the day of. So there's lots of helpful, very practical tips. Like this book was meant to be a book that you use and that you pull out often. Uh, and you dirty the pages, and it's like a really great size that you can hold in your hand, and really, the kind of book you, like, they're cookbooks that are beautiful that you look at, and this is a book that, you know, I want to get dirty, and I want, you know, people to really, you know, uh, be a guide. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it's so incredibly well done, and it's so nice to have that plan. You also have these great recipe icons, uh, Make Ahead and Freeze, Quick and Easy, Vegetarian, Vegan, hot food for cold weather, cold food for hot weather, great for kids. And I love that, you know, and living in the Northeast, if we have a warm fall, I don't want to send soups, right? But once it starts to get cooler in the fall, and then the winter is long, and then spring, I want lighter things. And it's so nice that you have all of that, you know, labeled and everything. I love it. Oh, thank you. The designer is so talented. She did such a beautiful job um, designing the book. So all credit goes to her. So as I discovered writing a cookbook is a team sport and there are so many people involved behind the scenes that I had no sense of until I actually did it. So I did some of the work, but there are so many people that contributed for it to be like that book in your hands. Well, they all did a fantastic job. They did an amazing job. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about prepping your kitchen. You say having a well-planned kitchen space is key for stress-free mornings. Uh, I like this. You say, when we move into our current home more than a decade ago, I discovered to my horror that while the kitchen seemed bigger than my old kitchen, there was much less storage space. Oh, gosh, that's a drag. You're like, oh, look at all this. Wait, what? Where do I put everything? (laughs) (laughs) How did you work that out? (laughs) Well, so it was a challenge. I worked like our house is like 50% bigger. And it seems like it's like it's much more open. But it turns out my old kitchen had tons of storage space. So part of it was paring down to what I really needed. Um, and the things I use on a regular basis. And I actually keep those right in the section. I sort of, and I'm sure you're, I don't, you may be the same, but I use the same section of countertop in my kitchen. Yep. It doesn't matter what I'm making, but I have like a spot, uh, which is next to like our compost bin and the garbage. And I keep a great big cutting board, a huge oversized cutting board there. Um, and within reach are things like my spatulas and my favorite knives and the tools that I use on a regular basis. So like whisks and what else have I got there? like stirring spoons, just kind of the like the things that you need in order to cook on a daily basis. And more specialty things are a few steps away in drawers. So that is a part of it. And really just paring down, you don't need a lot of specialty tools. There's a lot of stuff you can do with just a couple of good knives. 
Well, what are some of the special specialty tools and which ones do you like the best? So for lunches, I love, so you need a good vegetable peeler, not only to peel things like carrots, but also to make beautiful ribbons of vegetables. So my kids went through phases where they loved to eat carrot sticks, and then they hated eating carrot sticks. <laughs> but carrot ribbons, well, that was a whole other thing. So I would just use our vegetable peeler to do that. Uh, for packing kids lunches, it's fun to have little cookie cutters to cut different fun shapes. Uh, and I visited a bunch of uh, like Japanese bento stores around the city and picked up fun things specifically for my kids' lunches. So like egg molds, where you take a hot hard boiled egg, pop the egg into the mold and you know, sort of let it sit for about 10 minutes in cold water. And when you open it, it's transformed into the shape. Yeah, I see the bunny. I'm looking at the bunny right now. They're so <laughs> cute. <laughs> eggs are such a great like source of protein of, in, of inexpensive protein to pack for lunch and so easy and will appeal to kids more. So if you have a, you know, a kid who's maybe reluctant to eat a hard boiled egg, they might love a bunny shaped egg. Definitely. Um, well, let's jump into some of these recipes. Yeah. First of all, mm. let's talk about a hand pie. So there are a couple hand pies. There's like a breakfast or a brunch hand pie and also a whole chapter of sort of hot stews that can also be transformed into hand pies. And the key to the hand pie is puff pastry. And I don't make my own puff pastry. I buy it. Okay, good. Thank and you. that's the key. Yeah. No, no. I was like, yeah, <laughs> you just buy it. <laughs> so you just buy it, keep a couple boxes in your freezer. And it's like the most amazing thing to fold something into puff pastry and bake it. So whether it's the bacon, eggs, and cheese, or bacon sun-dried tomatoes and cheese, if you don't eat bacon. Or in our hot meals and hand pie chapter, things like curries, uh, mushroom stroganoff, like all different, like really lovely things that are great with grains or noodles are also portable, folded into puff pastry. And one of the greatest things is you can freeze them unbaked and then pop them in the oven oh, wow. um, so when you cool. do need them. So you'll thank your future self. You'll make, you know, you'll make a batch of them and, you know, bake some for lunch the next day and then put some away for a lunch in a few weeks. Oh, I love that. I want to first just mention the uh, the categories and we can talk about a few from each one. So brunch for lunch, sandwiches, flatbread, soups, salads, cold bowls, warm bowls and hand pies, snacks, dips and spreads, sweet, uh, sorry, baked sweets and treats. So in the brunch for lunch, uh, you have a bacon and egg hand pie. That looks amazing. Now, with all of these egg and a roll, sweet potato and onion frittata, pumpkin spice waffles, the cra infallible crepes, these you would all serve at room temperature? Is that what you're saying? I would. At yeah. Okay. Okay. I would. Yeah. If you don't have access to a microwave, um, it certainly is nice if you can heat them up, but they're all really nice uh, at room temperature. There's a lemon ricotta pancake recipe, and they are actually lovely at room temperature. Um, they really, really are. They're one that freezes well as well. But everything there tastes really very palatable. And I've added lots of flavors so that it doesn't feel like you're compromising um, by eating them when they're not warm. If you happen to have a toaster oven or a microwave at your disposal, it's also nice to heat those things up. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that sounds amazing. When we're looking at the sandwiches, oh my God, they're all so fancy and beautiful. Smoked cheddar, apple and spinach, panini. You mentioned them panini earlier. Uh, grilled broccoli, mozzarella and roasted red pepper on focaccia. And now they have some great cheeses, uh, cheeses, you know, doing the air, for, right, you know, because yeah. I don't eat dairy and my daughter doesn't okay. eat dairy. And you can get some great, 
dairy non-dairy cheeses to throw in there instead or make it without it i mean it might not be as held together i would guess without the cheese or what do you think yeah, no, I think you can substitute. So one of my kids for a while had to avoid dairy. And so we used a lot of uh, non-dairy cheeses. And if you're packing, our schools uh, in Canada are mostly nut-free. Um, and so you just have to watch that because I found a lot of the dairy-free cheeses, the nicer dairy-free cheeses had nuts in them or nut oils in them. Oh, okay. So we just had to keep an eye on that. Oh, that's um, good to know, yeah. Yeah, but otherwise there are beautiful dairy-free cheeses now. Uh, that you could substitute and would give you the same effect and the same flavors. Oh, that would be Um, great. What are some of your mm -hmm. favorite sandwiches? I mean, it's hard to pick. They all look so good. Oh, so one of my favorites is the uh, goat cheese and basil and peach panini. So right now peaches are in season and they're just so good. And it's actually, it's my eldest daughter's favorite first day of school lunch. Really? For years, that's what she's been taking. And it's just like a bite of summer, you know, it, uh, when school goes back in. So that's lovely and simple. That's amazing. Because uh, yeah. to me, I would think a kid might be like goat cheese or peaches or, but yet the way you describe it in the summer, and clearly they have, I would think... I don't know, maybe you disagree, but it sounds like they had more sophisticated palates because you've been making them these wonderful, whole, delicious foods, right? Versus just like a Lunchable box or something. So, you know, I don't know. I don't feel like I can take it. So we have, we've always fed our kids food. And the truth is my kids were terrible eaters as babies and hated purees and actually still don't love that texture. So we started right from the beginning with like real food for them. And things like Indian food was so great, like dal is like it tastes so good so why wouldn't it taste good to a baby um so we started right from the beginning with like regular food that they liked um and that was more palatable uh to them so i don't know if that's why they eat a lot now um there are certainly periods of time when there are things that they don't eat uh what i share on instagram is what they do eat um, oh, cool. but no in the background are lots of things that they don't eat. <laughs> so they're not packing them stuff they don't like. Um, people will also, you know, comment or DM me like, your kids eat so much. I'm like, oh, well, I'm just showing you what they like. Everyone has preferences. Exactly. So I don't know. We're lucky. Our kids are adventurous, but I don't think that's parenting. I think that's really just luck, you know. And the flip side of it is if your kid isn't as adventurous, that's not parenting. That's just, you know. That's just your kids. Who does it? They just don't like lots of different stuff. Yeah, there's different things that go into that. So that's why you might want to start with the exceptional egg salad sandwich or, you know, something that they're more used to versus something so new, especially if they're just living on highly processed foods and you're trying to get your kids because it's never too late, any age, to yeah. more of a whole food. That's what's so great about your about your meals. I mean, these lunches, they're all real food, right? And I think yeah. that's what's so important. But if you and your family aren't used to that, don't get intimidated. Just look for recipes that you can relate to. And then that's my advice. And then move on from there. What would you say? Oh, I agree. And with kids, especially bigger kids, um, give them the book and let them flip through and point to stuff like mark the pages of things that they like. And, you know, engage them in cooking. There's no guarantee that they'll still eat it. I don't, there's this, you know, (laughs) if your kids make it, they'll try it. That has not been my experience. (laughs) My kids will make lots of stuff and be like, no, I'm sorry. You know, I still don't eat whatever it is. Um, So, you know, I would engage them in it and let them try stuff. One of the most interesting things uh, for us is when my daughter was 
five or six kindergarten was just a half day. And so you could do the school had a like a half day daycare enrichment thing that you could do for the other half of the day. And so she went a couple of days of the week because all the girls in her class did. Um, so we would drop her off and they used to eat a communal meal that was brought in from a lovely like school catering company of real food. And she would try all kinds of stuff when she sat down with other kids and it was one meal for everyone. And so she would come home and had like bean and quinoa chili. Oh, wow. That she loved. And they ate them with like little tortilla chips to scoop. And so all of a sudden that was something that she would eat at home because she'd eaten it with her friends. Oh, that's Um, cool. So I think that can help. You know, it's not peer pressure, but sort of seeing what your peers are eating can be helpful. Um, I think so. But yeah, I think the other important thing though with kids is to not send them stuff that they're unfamiliar with at school because it's really important that you set them up for an afternoon afternoon of learning. Um, So if your kid hates broccoli, a broccoli sandwich at school is like not the thing. Thanks mom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like I hate this. Why are you doing this? It will be uneaten. Um, So I, I do that stuff at home, you know, by sort of, you know, introducing little things. One of my kids used to eat, like if I left sweet peppers on the countertop, she'd eat them. Uh, and then went through a period, yeah, I come and find that she'd like eaten the top off of each, you know, of sort of each section of the pepper and left it. Uh, <laughs> then she just stopped eating peppers. Like she was just like, I don't like them anymore. I'm like, but I know, but I used to have to like hide them in the fridge from you. Like how, how did this I happen? Know. Oh gosh. It's so frustrating. <laughs> so now, like, oh, it's just, yeah. Kids, you know, they like, they keep you on your toes. Right. And oh yes, they do. So now I just reintroduce stuff in other you know that she'll get used to eating it again but more more than anything food um and gathering to eat i try to make a low stress and kind of nice experience nice family experience that we're like sharing about our days and the good the bad you know our sort of hopes and dreams for the rest of you know the week and the year or whatever but that it not be a stressful time um, because food uh, can be so joyful that's true. That's so lovely. All right, let's jump into flatbreads. Ooh, this all looks so good. Uh, butternut. I love butternut squash. I love leek. I'm not a big goat cheese fan, but I could make this just with the butternut squash, leek, and the pesto. I mean, oh, that sounds sure. amazing. Yeah, or maybe yeah. use some other non-dairy cheese or something. But- Substitute a different dairy cheese. Yeah. And you can eat that if you don't have a microwave. You, you can eat all the flatbreads cold as well. Yeah. Okay. A hundred percent. I think they're nicer at room temperature. Uh, okay. In okay. fact, yeah. And that butternut squash flatbread came from a recipe that I used to make for like the moms and babies group in our neighborhood. How fun. And was so we would come, we would all get together once a week and whoever hosted would like feed everyone else because when you're, you know, a new mom, you may not have time to like feed yourself properly. So whoever hosted took it upon themselves to make like a healthy ish kind of snack for everyone. So that was, it is based on that. Mine used to be like a great huge thing that, you know, I'd cut into pieces, but we would eat it at room temperature and it was delicious. And the kind of thing you can eat with, you know, one hand quickly while you're, you know, having a bite to eat uh, before you go out to, you know, for a walk before going back uh, to work for the afternoon or before you are, you know, head out to the schoolyard to play. Oh, that's great. That sounds so good. The other one I thought looked really good. The kale rosemary flatbread Heirloom tomato, corn, and pesto. Holy cow, that looks so good. But it yeah. sounds complicated, oh, yeah. but it's really not, right? You just really put isn't. all the stuff on top of it. And that's exactly <laughs> There it. you go. 
No, it's actually the corn. I, and the corn suggests that you char it. But if you're in the U.S., you can buy bags of charred corn at Trader Joe's. I didn't know that. Oh, it's the best thing when we go across the border. <laughs> I bring back like bags of roasted like charred corn, frozen, and you just toss it on top. So, and it's all these recipes are easy. Um, if you've got stuff in your fridge, you really just need to throw them together. Oh, that sounds so good. I'm a big soup fan. I'm so excited for all these soups. I can't wait to make the curried leek and potato soup. Mm. You've got a roasted butternut nut squash soups, a red lentil. I love red lentil soup. Carrot and orange soup. Tell us about that. Oh, it's delicious. It's, my mom has been making carrot and orange soup for as long as I can remember, like as a fall soup. And carrots and oranges, they seem to stockpile in my fridge um, at about the same time where all of the beautiful citrus you know, starts to come into season in like sort of January, February. And I have, I don't know, tons of carrots from my farm box delivery. And so it's a very simple soup with kind of a carrot soup that you just add this like bright orangey, you know, flavor to at the end. And is something I think for everyone, it's a soup that I loved when I was little. So I'm confident other kids would enjoy it. But it's an adult. It's like a very sophisticated, nice looking soup to take uh, to work. Oh, nice. I love that. Oh, my gosh. And then you've got these wonderful salads, a vibrant quinoa salad. I love quinoa, carrot, currant and mint salad, late 90s salad. Tell us about that. And what makes it late 90s? I thought that was really fun. Oh, so that is like the salad that I feel like I ate over and over again in the 90s. It was like mesclun and balsamic vinegar yep. and roasted red peppers. <laughs> and it was it was like we would eat at this one pizzeria that had that on the menu. I'm like, oh, we have to get the salad. It's the most amazing thing. And then I couldn't bear to look at mesclun again. And <laughs> like not another red pepper. And I had something like that. It must have been like a couple of years ago as I just started writing the book. I'm like, oh, do you know, this is actually so delicious. Uh, and so it's an updated version of it uh, without the masculine because it just gets kind of soggy and, and gross. Um, but it's a really lovely combination of flavors. And I love if you're taking it to a place where you can have nuts. I love to throw some like walnuts or pecans or something on it as well uh, for, yeah, just a bit of extra crunch. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's so nice. And the one that is beautiful, but it seems so it was so different. But I thought this could really be interesting is a watermelon and halloumi salad. And halloumi is a type of cheese for people who don't know. Tell us about this. Yeah. So it's just a really simple salad. And it's actually I had that as like a, a fresh roll the other day. Of oh. Just like some halloumi is a really neat cheese from Greece that uh, is made of sheet and cow's milk a combination of the two and you can grill it it's really you can grill it and it forms a crust but it doesn't melt all over the place like other cheeses uh and is quite delicious so when you took when you were if you were to take it with you the halloumi wouldn't be warm but you would still benefit from the flavor of the charring oh okay on the cheese so it's like a salty creamy cheese and paired with the watermelon and kind of a bright lime dressing and fresh herbs it's like a really lovely fresh summer salad oh that sounds so good there's so many good things let's look at the cold bowls i like that because i like the idea of sending her something cold too especially if it's still hot out chickpea asparagus and orzo fresh roll bowl southwestern bowl sesame noodles crispy tofu or crispy chicken bowl and of course i like anything that has to do with tacos so the deconstruct deconstructed excuse me taco bowl tell us about that 
Uh, so tacos are probably my favorite food. Yeah, um, me too. But you cannot, like, they're not a lunchbox food. But, like, no. They try, <laughs> they just, like, they, Messy. they fall apart. Yeah, exactly. But all the, fl- you can combine all the flavors into a bowl. So, like, corn and beans and avocado, all of that you can have together in a bowl and recreate the flavor and the crunch and all the different textures of a taco, but in a much more convenient middle of the day, on the go kind of format. Oh, yeah, that sounds amazing. Okay, now we're getting into these awesome hand pies. So warm bowls and hand pies, you have a brothy beans and greens bowl, curried sweet potatoes, chickpeas and spinach bowl, Moroccan stew. Okay, I haven't had stroganoff in probably 40 years. I don't even remember the last time my mom wasn't much of a cook, but somewhere I had it. And it was delicious. Now I don't eat dairy and I rarely eat wheat. So it, but for a treat, (laughs) I want to make the mushroom (laughs) stroganoff. Oh God, I'm just drooling over the picture. It looks so good. Uh, So it was inspired by a a mushroom stroganoff that I ate in Estonia. We were there about three years ago and ate at a restaurant. Uh, It was this beautiful restaurant on the water that happened to share the same name as our daughter, Noah. And I'm just like, oh, well, we have to go. She wasn't there with us. She was away at summer camp. I'm like, oh, it's a sign. We need to eat there. And they had this mushroom stroganoff on the menu. I'm not sure if I had ever had it before. And it was just so good and so simple to make. It's just basically lots of sautéed mushrooms, some broth, and then finished with sour cream. Um, and so you could substitute a dairy-free uh, sour cream oh, in there true. and serve it over any kind of noodle. I have it with egg noodles there, but you could certainly substitute, uh, if you don't love, uh, wheat, if it doesn't agree with you, you could definitely find a great alternative that it would work on. Yeah. But egg noodles are so perfect for stroganoff. Yeah. Oh my God. So good. Yeah. So it's, it's one of those like cold weather, warm you from the inside out kind of dishes. Oh, that's great. I also, I'm going to make your ratatouille bowl. And I want to apologize. People listening are probably like, but you didn't make anything. No, I didn't. And I usually do. But my my sister, who hasn't visited in 11 years, visited for with her partner for the last four days. And then I usually will cook and we were just doing stuff and reuniting. So I'm going to have you back because I'm going to make some of these things, but I wanted to throw that out there. So I wasn't just being a flake. <laughs> I was, I was entertaining guests. Okay. okay. The other one that really yeah. grabbed my eye because I love chicken pot pie. Um, mm. I don't eat it much, but I love it. Chicken pot pie stew. That looked really good and really simple. Really easy. It's one of those ones I came up with because we had some leftover chicken. Um, so at the time, uh, so we are now, my husband's sort of three quarters vegetarian. When I started writing the book, it was just half of us. Um, okay. <laughs> so it was just like my husband and my daughter ate meat at the time. And there was only so much like chicken that they could eat if I roasted a whole chicken for them. Uh, so I had to do something creative with the leftovers. Otherwise it would go to waste. And that's like, that's such a shame. There's no reason to waste food if you don't need to. And so, yeah, so it transformed into like a chicken pot pie stew. So all the components of a chicken pot pie, but in a, in a quick stew. Um, so with like the crunch of the celery and the thyme and all that, yeah, it's that kind of nice warming thing. So nice in a bowl, but also in a hand pie, which is how my daughter loved to eat it and is like great that. Uh, for school or if you're eating at your desk. God, that sounds amazing. All right, let's go on to snacks, dips, and spreads. I just, I'd love beans. So I love this crispy cannellini bean, smoky black bean dip, 
You've got hummus. How's your uh, hummus? So I definitely like really flavorful hummus. And one of the things, I, there wasn't room on the page. One of the things I learned in making it over and over again for the book is that if your uh-huh. tinned chickpeas are still a bit hard, you can throw them into a pot with some water and just simmer them until they're oh. softer. And then you get even creamier hummus. Um, and I wish there'd been room on the page to include that because that makes a huge difference. So I think just like very simple chickpeas, good tahini, good flavorful tahini, um, garlic, lemon juice, some salt, and then some ice cubes at the end. And you just let it run until you have like lovely creamy hummus. And it's fun to add, you know, a couple of roasted beets in if you want pink hummus that's a little bit sweeter or add some handfuls of herbs in if you want something that's green and very herby. Uh, There's lots you can do with it. I love smoked paprika. It just is the best. Oh my God, I smother the hummus in that. I love it. So good. So delicious. Tell us about the crispy cannellini beans. So the can that came about actually I was going to make crispy chickpeas and I had none. Um, so I I had a whole bunch of cans of cannellini beans. So I basically tossed them in a pan until they were crispy. And there's enough starch in the water with your beans. Wow. That if you cook them long enough, they are really crispy and are a really nice topping on a salad, or my kids just eat them out of a bowl um, as a snack. And you've got a wonderful deep green fall pesto, a maple onion and thyme jam, roasted red pepper spread. Getting back to those roasted red peppers from the 90s. I do love roasted red pepper spread. Let me look. Let me check that one out again. That looked really good. They all look amazing. Yeah. Oh, thank you. It's so yummy. So it's actually a spread for one of the sandwiches, but also is like a really nice dip on its own, like spread it on a flatbread or dip some crunchy veggies in. Uh, it's very versatile. That's great. All right, let's move on to bake sweets and treats. Pumpkin, pumpkin seed mini loaves. I used to work at this place in college. It was called the Whole Earth, and they made the best pumpkin bread I've ever had. Um, you've got apple carrot muffins, apple apricot vanilla muffins. Oh, my God, I love anything with a lot of vanilla. Cinnamon sugar yogurt bites, banana chocolate chip soft cookies. I mean, all ooh, maple seed brittle. That sounds so interesting. Tell us about any of the ones you'd like. Yeah, sure. Well, the maple seed brittle is simple, simple. It's just basically um, seeds, like pumpkin seeds, uh, or you could use whatever you've got, and maple, like maple syrup. And you just basically heat the maple syrup up enough until it sort of it boils around the seeds and hits like a candy, hard candy kind of stage. You don't need to, you know, pull out a thermometer or anything for it. And you get these really glossy, snacky kind of seeds that are nice on their own as a sweet treat or tossed into a salad. Um, are really nice as well. Oh, the other thing that I missed was Mm -hmm. a quick spaghetti bolognese. Now, if I made that without the cream, it would still be good, right? It wouldn't be as rich, but I bet it would still taste good. Oh, I think absolutely. And you could always, no, it absolutely would be. And you could always stir in some coconut cream or, you know, some other alternative. Oh, tell us about the two-in-one meals. So the two, oh, so these are meals that sort of, where you can get two uses out of them and came from... Uh, the reality of a lot of people, a lot of the people, some of the people in my house don't like leftovers. Um, <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so what I like to be able to do, especially uh, strategically to save me time for lunch packing is to make one thing for dinner that can be something slightly different with the, or significantly different with the same ingredients for lunch. So we would do, especially when my kids were younger um, and they had different preferences around with, uh, which vegetables they liked and didn't like, which proteins they liked and didn't like, uh, I would just set up a bunch of prep stuff and it was like sort of a build your own bowl. 
um, sort of meal. So for example, there is the rice bowl, this sort of Thai fresh roll uh, or sort of Vietnamese fresh roll bowl recipe in there that's lovely as a bowl, but that you can also wrap up in rice paper as a fresh roll. Oh, nice. So we would have one for dinner and then the other for lunch. And so it wouldn't seem like it was exactly the same thing, even though it was sort of exactly the same thing. That's so funny. Yeah. The last few days, I've had the exact same thing for lunch and dinner. It's just really tasty and easy to make. (laughs) (laughs) I don't get sick of stuff. This is great. It's easy. I like it. It's yummy. Okay. I'm set, you know. Uh, But the book is really wonderful. Was there any recipes or anything that you wanted to bring up, Aviva, that we didn't talk about? I'm just so excited to go online and get my lunch gear and get some of these ingredients and... My daughter will be in shock and be like, mom, were you taken over by like aliens who know how to make lunch or something? (laughs) What the heck is going on? (laughs) Uh, The only thing I can say is that it was such a delight to write. Uh, I wrote it at such a funny time because it was during the pandemic and we were actually not going anywhere and my whole family was home. And so they tasted everything um, and tested everything. So it was such a strange thing to write something about food that you take places when we weren't going places that at all. is interesting um, so it's very exciting to have the book out into the world today actually um and ready for, with people you know to, for people to take lunch to school and lunch to work uh there's lots of hybrid working happening here where it's you know you're a few days at home a few days in the office um, so i'm excited for it to be used that way and i think the most important thing is that there's something for everyone in the book Um, it's not just, it's definitely not just for kids. Uh, it really is for anyone who, uh, eats lunch and who wants to make it sort of a special moment. Cause I think, uh, as I was saying before, it's really important to take that break in the moment to sort of clear your mind and, you know, just enjoy yourself, even if it's for 10 or 15 minutes. I agree. Uh, It's really important to do that for yourself. And so I hope I can help people do that. Oh, well, you definitely have. I'm seriously, I'm so excited. I'm never excited about making lunch, but now I am. <laughs> the book is called Lunchbox 75 Plus Easy and Delicious Recipes for Lunches on the Go. Aviva Wittenberg. What a beautiful name as well. Where do we find out of all about you, your social media, your book, your everything? So I'm on Instagram at Aviva Wittenberg. Um, and the book is available wherever books are sold. It, uh, yeah. So wherever you buy your books, if it's a small independent bookstore, hopefully it is there. I know that it shipped out uh, to stuff uh, to stores today. Good. Uh, be available and online at all of the usual big retailers. So Amazon and all the usuals. It's so nice when you can go to your local bookstore. I have I did, I did a book a few years ago and my sibling helped me with it. And, and we were at a bookstore about 45 minutes, but it was a locally, you know, in their town locally owned bookstore. Mm-hmm. And just when I... So, hey, look over, hey, come here, look at this. And she was like, oh my God, that's so cool. That it's there it is in the bookstore. You know, she used to get yeah. it on Amazon and stuff. And yeah, it's just a, such a fun feeling. So are you gonna go check out later today? It's gonna fly off the shelf. It's so damn beautiful. Oh, uh, really. thank you. My brother-in-law was out at a bookstore this morning and sent me a picture. First thing oh, he was downtown yes. and was at uh, we have a chain called Indigo here. It's like kind of a Barnes and Noble. So he was there and it's up on the wall there. So that was thrilling. But I'll go. I've got meetings all day. Um, I'll have lunch and take a break. And then I have meetings. Oh, what are you having for lunch? 
uh, I, I think a salad. It's so hot out here. So yeah. we just sort of eat salad all summer. Um, and then I'll go check out bookstores. Because, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see it in the world. Yeah, uh, me too. I can't wait to follow yeah. you. I'll see it on your Instagram. Oh, and you. I had so much fun. I can't wait to some of your recipes. And I want you to come back a few months into the school year. And I'll let you know how I'll things are going thing. and what we've tried. And then when it gets cold, we can talk soups and yeah. be super fun. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, oh, I would love to come back and talk about it. And also for the new year. Like, I think yeah. also, like, this feels like a new year in a lot of ways. Because, totally. like, school is starting. But again, in January, so we're trying to, like, start good new habits, restart good new habits. habits. Exactly. Um, yeah, it's another good time. So, yeah, that would be great. You are delightful. Thank you so much. I am off to literally order these things so I can give my daughter a cold lunch, a hot lunch. That packet thing sounds amazing. And you put it in the freezer overnight, take it out just before, right? And put the cold stuff. This was super fun. Everyone, please be sure. Follow me uh, mostly on TikTok and Instagram at Lisa Davis MPH and keep on coming back to Health Power. Well, that's it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you and we would appreciate it if you could please rate and review and leave a comment because the more you engage with our podcast, the more you will find it and help other people find it wherever they listen to their podcast. So be sure to follow us. I'm at Andrea Donsky and at Naturally Savvy and Lisa at Lisa Davis MPH. Thank you so much. And please share this episode because the more you share shows you care. We'll see you next time.